Okay, so now, now we're recording. Alrighty. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, Alana. Hi. Hi. So nice to be here. I'm so and... happy you're here. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to discuss. We do. We do. Yeah. You were, you were living in a tricky situation. Oh yeah. Definitely. How how did that how did that develop? How did it develop? So and you were you, and you were sick for a bit too as well. What, what was that? Yeah, I w- well, okay. So just let's let's go back to yeah. before even being sick. So basically, I um I was pursuing a music career as an artist in Los Angeles. I I went to audio school and graduated when I was eighteen. Moved out to LA when I was eighteen. Um, lived in my own apartment. Had my own like studio set up there. I had like twenty three acoustic panels. It was called the Canopy Studios, and I had. Uh, recorded my whole album there, my first album as an artist. I produced, wrote everything, and, and your um, artist genre. Yeah, so it's like a it was a blend of alternative electronic and pop. Love. So I had kind of eclectic. Was still I would say kind of finding my voice as an artist. Right. And I was actually going by a different name as an artist, Ellery. It's spelled E L E R I. It's pretty. Um, so there's a whole story about my shift in name as well. Um, Ellery actually means creative worker. Um, so anyways, I was pursuing, you know, a career as a solo artist and I was pretty like tunnel vision about that. I was like, this is the only thing I can do in my life to be happy, which really it's, it's interesting to think about because the way that I was doing music was in some ways I wasn't really fully happy. It was kind of stressful. I would like, you know, kind of force myself to do, you know, 12, 16 hour days in the studio and isolate myself and not really have much of a social life and all of that. And, um, but I created this album and kind of like after I finished creating this album, I was finally starting to, you know, play shows and, and get out there and put it out there. And I met my now ex-boyfriend. Um, but at the time he seemed like my soulmate and he seemed like, you know, so many things seemed like they lined up and, uh, so I, you know, I'm kind of type of person that I don't usually like to get into relationships super fast, but with this particular person, um, it just, I was like, oh, wow, like everything seems so wonderful. And he was a photographer and he would, you know, take videos of me. And so, you know, I felt very, I guess, like elevated in his world, you know, and it felt like creatively like a good match. Um, so, you know, moved in with him like three months after having met him, which I wouldn't do now, (laughs) but I moved in with him very fast. Uh, also because there were a lot of, it was kind of like a perfect storm of things that was happening. So first of all, I had some, you know, challenges with my family where, you know, our communication wasn't great and there were a lot of misunderstandings and things that, um, you know, didn't, uh, just, there was tension there. And, you know, I had recently lost my grandfather, and I had also, um, I had been seeing a rheumatologist actually ever since I was 13 years old. And what's, rheumat- a, what's a rheumatologist? A rheumatologist is um, a type of doctor that they study autoimmune diseases. And um, so basically ever since I was 13, I was always on the lookout for something developing because I had what's called um, positive ANA, which is a factor that could mean that you could have something in the autoimmune family. So there's a lot of different autoimmune diseases. And um, basically, I had some recent blood work. So at the time that I had met this, you know, now ex-boyfriend, I feel like I, I don't want to you know, say his name, but I'm like, I feel like I should have a name to call him in this podcast. Mark. <laughs> Mark? 
We'll call him Mike. Yeah, Mike. sure. Um, so, so, so I had met Mike, and um, let's hope I remember that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I had recently gotten some blood work from a doctor a couple months before having met him that showed that I had low C3C and low C4C levels, which is an additional factor that could mean, ooh, it looks like something might be developing. And so my doctor had said, it looks like you have something in the autoimmune family, in the lupus family, um, and I want you to come back in three months and then we can confirm the what you have and get you on medications. And right away I was like, wait, I don't even have symptoms yet. Like they want me on medications right away. I was kind of like taken aback a little bit. And so I was like, hmm. I feel like I want to do this a different way. I find that doctors really just push push pills for, like, no reason. I had a doctor that um, that uh, I, I was just a general practitioner. I just yeah. went in for blood work. Yeah. And um, and he, I was like, I'm having trouble sleeping. And, mm. and then it took, like, 30 seconds for him to write out an Ambien prescription. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think that's Which the thing. I threw out. Well, good for you. That's you good. I mean, you give because a suicidal person Ambien. That seems like not yes. the right thing you should be doing. Yes. Well, I think the thing is, you know, because I'm, I'm also learning that I think everything has its place. And, you know, doctors, you know, they have their place too. They, they, I think what's great about doctors is all of the tests that they do. And they can, they can help you to diagnose. But I find that in our culture with Western medicine that, you know, it's when it comes to how to treat it, a lot of times it's not really treatment. It's, it's, it's more just symptom masking. It's not really getting to the root. It's not looking at all the different factors of what could actually cause this. And so I was really more interested in, you know, because doctors say that they don't have a cure for lupus. They don't know what causes it. Well, if you don't know the cause, you can't really fix the problem. No, you can't. So I was kind of like, well, why do I want to, you know, take advice from somebody that doesn't actually know what's really going on in a way? So no offense, I'm not trying to put down, you know, the years and years of study of because there are definitely things that doctors know that I might not know. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that. But you know, I, I think that doctors, you know, they go to school to study, you know, for how to prescribe these, you know, medications. They don't go to school necessarily to uh, help you through, you know, the mental aspects of how that can affect your physical body. Or, you know, they don't necessarily study nutrition and how um, different foods or, you know, even, um, you know, things that we use like pesticides and, and things that we know that there is a correlation between, you know, using certain um, chemicals and how that can have an effect on the human body. We don't always make those connections. And we take for granted sometimes as well the everyday things that we use that, you know, can have those effects. So basically, um, you know, at the time that I had my doctor tell me, you know, okay, it looks like you have something in the lupus family. I was like, wait, I just wanted to pause because I was like, I don't, I don't really know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to solve this. But I was like, I just, I just knew that it wasn't that. And so I just kind of like, it's like I shelved it in the back of my head because I didn't have any symptoms yet or anything like that. And so then, um, uh, I think this was actually, it might've almost been like a year. Was it a year before I met Mike? that I had seen this doctor. I'm I, actually not sure. It might have been like somewhere between, I want to say like four to eight months maybe that I had this doctor appointment before I met him. And so um, so I met him and then, you know, because this relationship was so fast moving, 
basically like he was in my apartment like all the time like we were spending so much time together and he was making food for me and and he was actually mostly vegan so he was just you know cooking with vegetables and and making smoothies every day and and I was just like oh this is great you know because he was just making all this food for me and I was like oh I don't even really have to cook this is this is wonderful and um after about a week I was like huh you know what I actually haven't had meat or dairy in the last week I wonder what it would be like if I kept going um because he had so many great things to say about it and he would say things like oh you know when I eat chicken I I break out and I was like it's so funny because when you don't experience it yourself like you might not believe someone I guess like when they say things like that you're like oh that could be so many different variables or factors or whatever I've heard um, of I've uh, watched videos where people speaking about how they're on a carnivore only diet right and they only only eat meat and eggs yeah and just and like they're they're like we I feel great yeah everything's going well totally it's like yeah it's it's so interesting you know because there's so many different alternative approaches as well but you know this is this is what worked for me and um so basically, um, I had also, so besides the more serious autoimmune stuff that was kind of like, okay, shelve that, like haven't had symptoms, but it's still kind of like, okay, like this is a red flag of something, something needs to be addressed. I also had um, hormonal acne on my face and I was struggling for, I actually noticed that because um, I was in a previous relationship before Mike. Just to be very clear for everyone yeah. listening, her skin looks fantastic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, I will be honest, I did put a little concealer on today because I've, you know, haven't slept as much as I would like to this week. So, you know, there's that. But, uh, but yes, <laughs> my skin is so, so much better. Like, yes, it's way better than it ever used to be. Um, I was dealing with hormonal acne and I noticed that um, I didn't have it until I got off of birth control because I was on birth control. And then it was like maybe like a month or two after I got off of it, all of a sudden I had this hormonal acne that was just so persistent. It would not go away. And of course, then my options for that were, you know, kind of more serious drugs, um, like Accutane and, you know, and the side effects of those types of drugs are, you know, oh, well, if you've had a history of depression, then you might be at risk for suicide and things like that. And I was like, well, I actually have had depression in the past. This doesn't seem like a good path for me. So uh, what else can I do here? So I started doing more research and um, I was playing with different things like essential oils, which are very powerful. Um, I put tea tree oil like on my skin and it worked for like two weeks. And then after that, it was just nothing was nothing was working. Everything just came back. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of like at a standstill with that too. Cause I was like, I don't know, nothing's really working. Um, so, you know, then I meet Mike, he's vegan. He's making all this food for me. We're basically living together in my apartment. And, um, you know, week goes by, I was like, huh, you know, I've, I've, I haven't really missed meat or dairy this week. Why don't I just try another week? And then within two weeks, I looked in the mirror and my skin was clear like for the first time in wow. several months <laughs> like I was like so, something between like th- three to six months like that I was dealing with that problem and I finally got to the root of it and yeah that that helped me that helped my body to cleanse and to heal and so I was like oh okay well I guess I should keep going with this this is obviously I'm doing something right with this vegan diet so um so and, and mind you at this time I didn't have any symptoms yet with lupus or anything like that 
So, um, but I also had a lot of stress going on. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on in my apartment. I was living in Hollywood. Um, there were within the three months of having met Mike, there were two shootings on my street. Um, neither of which I heard any kind of police sirens for, like when they happened. Um, and, uh, had some other issues. There was, um, several of us in the building had issues with mold in the apartment, um, one of, one of the tenants actually had black mold, which is the most, you know, toxic kind. And, uh, her baby almost died. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, um, so basically a bunch of us actually were going to sue the place. But, um, for me, it was kind of just like an additional stress. And like, honestly, these people were so toxic. Like they were like criminal, these people that were running this building. Cause I, when I brought up a mold issue in my own apartment because basically they weren't treating it right like they would you know spray it down with bleach and paint over it which is not actually removing <laughs> the problem so and that's what they were doing for you know a long time and it was an old building it was like from like the 1920s it was you know yeah so anyway um you know this was and this was part of me trying to get to the root of health things too it's like okay like well i got got the diet you know okay the vegan diet is you know but also well i guess i'm living in a place that you know is kind of musty and you know maybe maybe the mold issue could be a factor um also like my acoustic panels that i had these 23 panels in my studio it's like well you know i mean technically there's formaldehyde in that it's like you know it's rigid fiberglass you know it's it was covered with um you know, with cloth, but at the same time, it's like, mm, is that really like the healthiest thing to have? <laughs> like, you know, all around me, I don't know. So it was just eliminating all these things. Um, so anyway, um, uh, so I had, I mentioned something to my landlord about the mold issue. I did use the word, you know, cause I think nothing was really getting done. So I did say something like, oh, you know, this could be grounds for a lawsuit. So I think that kind of triggered them a little bit. They retaliated really hard, and um, basically they were, like, shutting off my hot water. Like, they were yelling at me, basically, in emails with, like, in all caps, like, sending me, like, like threatening emails and um, telling me that I owed money that I didn't owe, like, just basically making stuff up and saying, oh, well, you didn't pay this bill, and I provided evidence that I did, but then they would still try to, like, gaslight me and say that you know, that I didn't pay this or that bill. And how long were you living there well, when this that started was actually, happening? So that apartment, I was there for six years. And um, yeah, I, I hadn't had any of these kinds of issues. They actually had a change in ownership, I think maybe like a couple years prior. Um, but yeah, it was really disappointing. I mean, there was a lot of changes that were happening in Hollywood at that time, like on my street as well. Like they wanted to like, it was a residential street and they wanted to construct a hotel or or no they wanted to turn a previously rent controlled apartment into a hotel so there was just like a whole bunch of stuff that was going on and um because you know they don't make as much money from rent control so they want to they want to make something profitable so that's basically what was happening and um yeah so <laughs> it was just a lot of chaos you know the shootings and then you know this retaliation i was dealing with I mean, I didn't even get the worst of it. Like the my tenant, um, not my tenant, one, the other one of the tenants there, um, the one with the baby, 
they egged her car. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. She was able to somehow, like, she was able to trace it back to, like, okay, like, this was, like, the management or somebody. They egged her car? They egged her car. That's such a juvenile reaction. It's seriously, it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, needless to say, these people were not people you could really negotiate with or they're not you know it wasn't it wasn't worth staying there um so basically you know here comes mike who seems like you know the answer to everything he's like the love of my life you know like feels like we're soulmates and you know okay he's vegan and like i had all these improvements with my health um with that and you have this creative vibe i ended up moving in with him um like three months after i met him and he was actually, he was also much older than me. <laughs> uh, I think he was, was he 16 or 17 years older than me? Anyway, so, but needless to say, um, you know, I, I, I did learn, you know, I think any relationship, it's like, even though there was toxicity in it and there was eventually there was abuse, um, you know, I think I also learned about some of my own, you know, things that I needed to improve in myself. And, you know, so there's definitely things that I learned from and I appreciate and I appreciate that I of course, that I learned about the vegan diet and I was able to heal so many things. And, and, um, you know, I think that's also part of what, you know, despite having gone through, you know, I know we didn't really get to, you know, some of the abuse and stuff yet, but, um, but basically, even though I went through a lot of trauma with this situation, I think looking at the positive aspects of it, not as a way to say, oh, I should somehow still be in contact with this person or anything like that, or to, you know, put him, uh, you know, to give him more credit than he deserves or anything like that. It's just, I think those things help me to stay grounded and to feel healthy now that I'm not in that relationship anymore, because I think it could be easy to like, be like, oh, you know, my life sucks because this thing happened, you know, and, you know, just kind of stay in that space. But, um, but yeah, there were things that I that I learned about myself. There were things that I learned about health and wellness and all kinds of stuff. So, um, did you did you ever get into therapy? You know, I did a little bit of one on one therapy. I did. Um, that's that's a whole other part of the story, um, because yeah, there was a lot of like um, like spirituality and you know things that I was you know looking into for for healing and. Um, yeah, that's that's actually a really big part of my story, but uh, okay, I'll stop interrupting. No, 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 not <laughs> not at all. I just I just am like, well, how many tangents are um, can we go on? Because that's a really that's another really big aspect. But basically, um, yes, I did do some therapy. I did a lot of like self healing. I, I found something called internal family systems, which is like a methodology of um, it's kind of like a creative approach to therapy, where it's almost a bit more like visualization, and you're kind of like working with different aspects of yourself to heal different aspects of yourself. But it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, part of my spiritual journey, I was getting into things like tarot cards and all this other kind of stuff. But I actually, like, I had a couple of experiences that stopped me in my tracks. And um, it was actually like, the first thing was I had a dream with Jesus on a tarot card. And I, um, I kind of like, it's like one of those things where I just like, I had that and I kind of shelved it and was like, I don't know what that was. That was really weird. And then there was another experience where, cause I, you know, I was going to like psychics and doing a lot of different, um, you know, trying to heal all these different aspects of myself. And, um, you know, so I felt like I was like, you know, channeling different things and different, maybe, you know, channeling entities or I don't know exactly, but like I all of a sudden I felt like I was channeling Jesus, but Jesus was like saying, 
like basically like you need me like I'm your savior and it freaked me the heck out I was like oh my god this is so scary um so anyways uh I was like you know I started thinking about like the different practices I was doing like um you know sage like you know using sage to clear energy in a space and I was like uh, is that actually an appropriated thing that I'm doing and then I started thinking about like I was using crystals for energy and um, the way that crystals are mined, a lot of them are actually like, like children are, you know, child labor, like in different places. I was like, that can't really have very good energy. I don't know if this is really like, I want to know more about where I'm pulling all these like, you know, practices from. And so I was like, I think I might just study a little bit more like the history and origins of like different, you know, religions and things like that. And so I was even like, you know, looking at like, okay, what's the history of like paganism and things like that? And then I started looking into like Christianity a little bit and I came across um, a woman named Doreen Virtue on on YouTube. Like she showed up in my feed and I was like, that name sounds really familiar. And I realized, oh, I have some of her like angel cards or whatever. And um, she actually turned away from all that and turned to Christianity and I was really like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, okay, like, I think I'll look into that. And I started seeing some other some other things in my feed about, you know, people who basically are on a detransitioning, like, movement of, like, where they they found that, like, wow, they were actually, like, almost like it's like a lack of self-love or there was some kind of trauma where they maybe felt like, you know, they didn't belong in their body or, you know, things like that. So just... Like disassociation. Yeah, yeah. So it made me start to question like literally everything that I was doing in terms of healing the emotional aspect. Um, and also some of the physical too, I guess, too. Um, because, you know, the emotional and the physical is actually very connected. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really like... <laughs> It was almost it's almost kind of like shocking to think about it. But like just slowly over time, there were things that I started to realize that, oh, OK, actually, maybe this I don't want to do this anymore. Like the tarot cards, I like I caught up the, my tarot cards that I had and I felt like I felt like things leaving my body. I know that sounds really weird and probably kind of crazy, but like I felt I didn't know. I guess it's like I didn't know what I was inviting into my body, like doing some of these things on a spiritual level. And so, um, you know, but, but I also struggled with like, okay, but, but really like, can I really, like if Christianity, if all of it is true, like, can I really not have sex before marriage? And can I really like just all these, <laughs> you know, things that I just started, like, like I struggled with and, you know, slowly over time, it's like, I really felt like, you know, cause I, I watched some videos on YouTube of people experiencing deliverance, which, which is basically what I experienced through like cutting up those tarot cards. I felt delivered of these like, you know, entities and things. And I, you know, would see people pray for other people like in the name of Jesus and, you know, releasing these entities and things like that. And people who had turned away from, you know, you know different habits or lifestyles and whatnot. And just maybe not even knowing like what was impacting them or like basically like oppressing them. And, um, and I, and just in watching those videos, I would sometimes just feel like a deliverance. And so it was just, it really, like, I didn't, like, I had no idea, like, what I had, what doors I was opening through, you know, tarot cards and psychics and basically trying to heal everything myself. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't realize, like, how much lighter like, it is also to just, like, to re rely on God and to lean on Jesus and to, um, 
to, you know, it's like it's it's challenging, like to be, you know, none of us are like 100% obedient. There's no such thing. The only, you know, Jesus was the only person who was and he died on the cross. And so it's like, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, uh, I guess like this thing is real, but also like, how do like, how do I navigate moving forward with this? And like, what do I do with my the practices I was doing before with like, you know, the therapeutic stuff with, you know, internal family systems, like, is that still, so, you know, it's still a journey for me in some ways in terms of like, you know, certain aspects of healing and, you know, I'm an imperfect person and I still struggle with my own like sin and things like that. But like, I feel so much more, um, like clear and grounded and like, uh, like lighter, I guess would be a way to describe like how I feel in like that aspect of my journey. So now it's like, you know, I think therapy is a really, it can be a really amazing tool. Um, but I think for some people, maybe it, de- it just depends. I think for, for me, I've found that it's been more helpful for me to like put my burdens onto God and to be in prayer and to read scripture. And even sometimes when it's hard and I, I kind of struggle with certain aspects of it where I'm like, okay, like, how is this real? How is this, you know, like I've just found it to be like, it feels cleansing when I read it actually, which is kind of interesting. So, so yeah, the emotional aspect, a lot of that has now, you know, transformed into more of my faith. And so that's actually, um, I'm working on an album now, you know, now that I've gone through, you know, I went through domestic violence, I escaped that. And there's, you know, a whole story even connected to that, like how I escaped and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I left music for a while and I was really focused on healing and health. And, but then I really felt in my spirit that I wanted to come back to music because I really feel like that's what I was really designed for is like, you know, I mean, I think we can all have many different talents and skills and everything, but, but my spirit really wanted to come back to music. And I had this moment, you know, well, basically, so after the domestic violence, I moved back to live with my family in Chicago and, that was a whole healing journey in and of itself. But um, basically, um, during that that time, you know, I was writing different songs. I would write lyrics. And um, I realized after maybe a couple of years, I was like, wait a minute. Like, if I, if I compile all these songs together, like, I actually have an album. And I actually have, like, a chronological album of my journey of going through domestic violence and overcoming it and coming to faith. So it's like basically I'm working on an album. It's a it's a concept album because it's not directly some of the details are tweaked. Um in this album it's like I'm basically like like I I get married to the person. I actually never got married to <laughs> to anybody. But like it's it's kind of a compl because I did go through another kind of toxic relationship after being with this guy. And that kind of brought out some of these other things that like needed to be expressed, I think. And so it's almost like the the album is combined people. It's it's more than it's more than just him. It's more than just Mike. It's like another another guy that inspired things. And so so that's so that's why. It's, is it kind of like processing it through the through the yeah, music? Yeah, yeah. Because creativity is therapy. Exactly, exactly. That's why I think. You know, therapy can be really great, and I think if you have a good therapist, it can be really helpful. And also, I think there's so many other ways that we can find healing, too. And so for me, you know, music is definitely part of that. My faith is a huge, like, that's, like, number one now. And, um, you know, also, like, 
healthy relationships, having good friendships. And, um, you know, I mean, I've just seen also like, you know, I mentioned earlier about how there was this tension in my family. And um, I used to spend a lot of time on this app called Clubhouse. It's, um, if you're familiar, it's, a, it's an audio only app. And it was really big during the pandemic. And I spent a lot of time there and got a lot of social fulfillment out of it. And I was, I was also like, you know, getting health coaching clients and stuff there. What would you compare it to? Is it like the Reddit of music or in terms of... With Clubhouse? Yeah. Um, like putting stuff... Are you putting stuff out there or are you? is it like a big um, think tank? Or? So Clubhouse, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, think tank is kind of an interesting way to say it. It's in... Hmm, how do I describe Clubhouse? Um, so it's social audio. So basically it's it's... Oh, gosh. There used to be... I think like way back in the day, there used to be kind of like something similar, but obviously not an app, but like in like the eighties or nineties, there was something kind of like this, but, um, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but there are lots of different spaces on clubhouse. Cause basically, you know, you could go into, um, a room where it's music or you could go into a room where you're just talking about really anything. And like, just, um, it's the topics of the room would be kind of what, intrigues people to come in right so like okay that's cool. yeah oh yeah it was very that's, re that's really cool i actually cool. met most of the people that i know now in los angeles i mean obviously i lived here before i lived here for nine years then i moved to chicago for like three or four i don't know and then you know came back just actually a couple months ago and like a lot of the people that i know now i met on clubhouse like even my roommate there are some professional spaces definitely on clubhouse there were a lot of like business coaches i actually got a lot of business coaching on clubhouse like for free which was really cool and, um, yeah, there, there were a lot of different, um, types of spaces that, you know, music rooms, um, health rooms. I mean, I, I, I hosted rooms talking about my story about how I overcame, you know, um, my lupus symptoms, which is something that we actually didn't even get into yet. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's so wild. But anyway, I was going to say that, um, I think we, we were talking about Clubhouse because there was somebody on there that, um had said I was in a room so spirituality and faith that's also another you know space on clubhouse and um there was a, a room that was um some kind of like you know Christian something and there was this woman in there she was like God's gonna heal your family and I was like and there were certain other things that she said that came true and you know reading scripture like in scripture it says basically like you know a false prophet if if the things don't come true basically if whatever they say doesn't come true well all these things came true <laughs> like she said something about there's gonna be really big changes and like my dad used that exact terminology like he said that like mm, I don't know maybe like a week after she said that and then like there was something else I can't remember exactly but I've seen how you know in my like there are things in myself that I had to heal as well and and I'm sure like my family has also grown in their own ways and um, basically the tension that I was experiencing with them when I met Mike, um, like that has all like really dissipated, you know. So it's, um, of course, I think when it comes to healing, because we're imperfect humans, like there's always, you know, things that, you know, can come up or whatnot. But um, but yeah, like like we're on really good terms. My family was actually, they were even more supportive when I came back to to live with them after like I went through this whole experience with my with my ex and the abuse and stuff like that and they um 
they were supporting me financially already, but then they were supporting me even more, like when I came back. Um, and, you know, and they're still, they're still so supportive, like in me coming back out to LA. And um, so I really do appreciate my family. And, um, you know, we've definitely been through some challenges and stuff. But, but yeah, I really am like, okay, like God was, he, he didn't let off on his promises. Like he said that he was going to heal my family and it's, and it's happened. So, um, so yeah, that was like really, really beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly we were talking about the emotional experience of music and, or, and healing, I think. So yeah, that was, yeah. that was a big aspect of, of healing was like healing through relationship with family and, um, yeah. So yeah, it's been, yeah. Some of those things that seem so awful in the moment have been turned into blessings. Family tension. Family tension, yeah. Not as much. I mean, yes, like, sir, you know, I think all of us, like, all of us have something from childhood. Like, none of us get through life unscathed, and we, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. And um, it's tough. And I, I think, like, when you're young, you know, before, like, like, the first time you kind of start to realize some of that, like, oh, wow, like, my parents messed me up in this way or whatever, it can be easy to feel angry or resentful about it and I think that's you know sometimes it's part of the process but then I think I don't know I feel like God has shown me like my own imperfections and some of the things that I'm not I'm not so great all the time either and um it just kind of like helped me I think extend more grace and to be because I feel like you know I was super perfectionistic I mean like actually both me and Mike were very much perfectionists in a lot of ways. And I think that was a lot of what, why the relationship was so toxic. Um, in addition to just, you know, him being abusive, but, you know, um, but I think like the expectations that maybe we had that, that we had in place in order to just feel safe, you know, cause I, cause both of us had a lot of trauma. Like he, you know, I don't think that, you know, abuse just comes from nowhere necessarily. Like he went through extreme, extreme trauma um, growing up. But of course, that's no excuse to, you know, treat someone else badly. Um, but, you know, like those things, though, like can kind of change your threshold, maybe for how you feel safe and like with PTSD and things like that. And I just kind of realized like, okay, like my threshold was like way up here. And like, slowly over time, like, in a safe environment, like with my family and with, you know, you know, therapy, having faith and all of that, like those things helped me to kind of like calm down a little bit and start to maybe be a little bit more flexible with certain things and to be like, okay, okay. Like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm safe here, even though this isn't exactly where I think it should be or whatever. It's, it's okay. So yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's been a journey for sure. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the perfectionism thing, though, like, there's, I think that's another thing that I have come to appreciate about, like, Christianity is saying, realizing that, like, okay, I don't have to be perfect, like, Jesus was perfect, so I don't have to be, and thank God, because, <laughs> like, I'm not, my parents aren't, like, my friends aren't, like, we're all, we're all imperfect, but there's still this ability to have, you know, love for other people, so, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I go to a Catholic school. Oh, oh yeah. Loyola Marymount oh, University. Okay. And they're very um I think it's like like forty percent or something like okay. that of the students are not religious. Oh interesting. Like at all. Or it might be something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um 
like it's it's not like a super crazy like here's our ideology yeah. follow it go yeah. to the, one of the chapels yeah. plural okay. um and stuff like yeah. that but they um they're really um like a hammer down on like the values mm. part of it and a little bit of what you were talking yeah. about yeah um so and I went into I went into that school with the with the ah because I'm not really you know like yeah. religious at yeah. all and I came out of it like out of the first year and I was like I was like oh my oh my goodness you yeah know? yeah um what was I gonna say yeah yeah there's a Planned Parenthood like mm, club or mm-hmm, group mm-hmm. and they did um uh they were they were like did a fundraiser and raising mm, money mm. and like the whole neighborhood around and everybody somewhat affiliated with that yeah um uh with the school in any way people were protesting outside mm. the school mm. and like blocking cars mm. and in my american catholicism class a guy came in this is kind of not even related to what you're it's saying it's, it's kind of a tangent <laughs> he the, uh, some guy who's responsible for kind of like managing mm-hmm. all of like the outsource forces and people calling in and talking about yeah. stuff and he came into my american catholicism class and called those people idiot assholes <laughs> <laughs> so the that's um I think what you were... Or I guess to connect back is like the spirituality yeah. kind of uh, aspect yeah. of it. Because that, that's really that's really what they push. Okay. And like how important yeah. um, how important that is. You don't necessarily have to believe, but like having some sort of being in tune with yourself and in your spirit, mm-hmm. like that's a really powerful way yeah. to like go about life. And that's kind of what they hammer, got it, got you know, it. into yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are things that I'm always learning every day, like, you know, with, with my faith and everything and... Uh, you know, everyone has different perspectives as to, you know, you know, is there a right way, you know, to believe or, or this or that? But um, there is the right way to believe is to believe that everyone to each their own. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. No, I, I totally I totally I think, you know, I think that, you know, God has given us free will. And I think we all have our own journey. And, you know, that, you know, I personally believe in, in, in Jesus and, and that, and, you know, but I'm not going to, um, I had my own journey to, to get there too. And I think everyone has their own, their own path that they need to, you know, experience. And you just never know, I think like how, how God is going to use that to, you know, um, help or support somebody else. I mean, my roommate is, is not Christian and, um, at the same time, I feel like she's such a blessing in my life and that she, um, like, is exactly the person that I need to be rooming with right now and the way that we support each other. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I think, like I said, I think everyone has their own perspectives. And I think the most important thing is that we can, you know, respect each other. And, you know, we might have differences in beliefs and certain things, but it's important to have respect for others, even if you have a different, you know, perspective. Welcome, Maple. Hi. Welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the table. Um, yeah, right in front of the camera. Yeah, just posted up right there for a minute. I was always kind of like um, I was for for like a long time. I was in like the mindset. I was like, God is dumb. This is all mm. dumb. The Bible isn't mm-hmm. real. Jesus was real, yeah. but yeah, um, yada yada yada. But I think I um, this is partially affirming for myself. What I I I think I think that for some people to um, to because you can feel the way that you feel without believing in like a higher power Mm -hmm. but i think i'm able to recognize that like believing in god or like the existence of that sort of like spiritual entity Mm -hmm. is like uh would you agree it's like a good or it's like a reinforcer or a way to like uh like have an embodiment um of it 
of of it to to like follow in like a reaffirming type sense yeah does that make sense yeah so yeah so i think for me or to have like the comfort of like a of a guider yeah rather than sort of heavily relying on yourself yeah. and other outside yeah yeah because we only you know we only see this much but if there's a creator that can see it all then we might not know what we might think we know what our best path is but if there is a god that is greater than that and ha- creates you and loves you and knows how he created you and what you were built for and where you would thrive like then it makes sense to to have faith in that but it can be hard to I like even like so for me as a Christian sometimes I doubt like okay well am I really hearing the voice of God or is that me or is that like I don't sometimes like I feel like I don't always I don't always know um but like usually like Sometimes even if I don't always know, it's like I kind of know because I might feel like a, a conviction where it's like, I know, but maybe I don't want to know that because I wish that wasn't the case. You know, I wish that that wasn't the truth. I wish that I didn't have to do this hard thing that God's telling me to do right now. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like we might think that our life is supposed to be a certain way. Like I thought when I got into music that, okay, I'm going to be an artist and I was tunnel vision about that and this is how I'm going to do it and this is how it's going to go but I went through all of these things that you know on the surface you'd go god you would never wish that on anybody those are terrible things to go through to go through domestic violence to um you know to have lupus symptoms which again we haven't we haven't even scratched the surface on when that actually happened but you know but that was something that showed up for me and I was able to heal through my diet going deeper into my diet and everything um but because I've been through those hardships and those challenges, which I would never personally choose for myself, but like, you know, I feel like God put those things in my life to overcome and to share with others, you know, a path and hope and love and light. And so, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, my niece is actually, she's much younger than me and, and, um, and I, and I, feel okay saying this because she has actually publicly you know um shared about this but she went through some similar well actually I won't even really get into the details but she she went through similar trauma that I did and I almost feel like okay like well she was placed in my family for a reason and I was placed in her life for a reason because we have this thing that we can not not that <laughs> um you know it's not always the best thing to maybe connect on trauma per se but it's like we're connect we we both can understand and and provide, you know, different types of... I mean, I was inspired when she, she shared some of her story because I was like, wow, I haven't even shared that part of my story. And my niece is so much younger than me. And she's like come out and said certain things about what she went through. And I was like, dang, I don't even know if I'll ever be able to share that part of my story. But wow, I'm inspired and I feel seen with her even just sharing that. And I think vice versa, probably, you know her just knowing I hope and uh <laughs> if you're watching this and <laughs> listening to this uh, um Emily <laughs> uh if you're listening um yeah I just I hope that she um sees me in my own life and you know you know because she's only experienced so much of her you know years where it could feel sometimes like maybe 
oh my gosh, like that could be so defining of what your future is going to be. And, you know, I just hope that by me doing what I'm doing through my music or my career or my just my life in general, that I can be a beacon of light to someone else to say, you know, your trauma doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to define what you do. Um, And actually, you know, overcoming those things like, you know, can give you something that maybe you wouldn't have had if you didn't go through it. So I I feel like I, you know, I have a certain soft spot and and an empathy for people, but but not to the point where, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, sacrifice my own health or well-being and, you know, basically become a sinking ship with someone like I did in the abusive relationship. So yeah, (laughs) but it's, it's possible to to overcome that stuff. And, and that's what I hope to, um, to show people, to, to give people, you know, hope that, and, and inspiration that they can also overcome challenges, even if it's not the same types of challenges, but just other challenges, you know. No, for your, um, your, your, uh, I'm getting a sense of enlightenment and uh, empoweredness from you because I have my own PTSD mm. issues that I've been, I can, mend- I can talk about it off camera. Yeah, sure, sure, um, sure. Yeah. But, um, uh, that I've been working through yeah. for, what's the date? Two years mm-hmm. and three, two years and three months. Oh, wow. Um, in intensive, uh, intensive PTSD therapy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. For that with my, for the, that of my own issues. Yeah. But yeah. The, the happening for a reason. Yes. Part is, was, um, and like the, what I can bring for you, that was a, a like a, so something was like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. You know, no, it didn't. It just happened to me. There's no reason yeah. that he hates yeah. me. Yeah. Or, but like in the last two, two, like in like the last two years, um, you know, that's a long time. And I have a lot of people that have um, beforehand and since then mm. have experienced um, similar is- or issues like mm. that. And so I've been able to kind of help people oh, yeah. move, um, move through, move through those uh, horrible. Yeah horrible situation yeah, yeah. and uh i think it's just another thing to bring up in terms of trauma trauma's not comparable mm. you can't oh people try to compare yeah. it you can't compare it yeah every every person has a different standard of of yeah. what uh, of what can uh what can affect because everyone you know everyone's in their own world yes. you have your world yes and i have i have my world and they're very yeah very different i think that's a people don't understand yeah. people really don't understand yeah. that yeah and um i that's something i try to hammer into people that i talk to like if you're, if you're going to be my friend or if you're going to be someone i talk to you kind of yeah. you, know, you have to realize that yeah I totally agree with you because everyone responds different it's like you're the headspace that you're in when it happens also can make a big you know impact and yeah absolutely everyone processes things differently yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. By the way, we might wanna. Yeah. You have a you have yeah. a hair tie on your shoulder. I don't know. Do yeah, I? Yeah, you do. I just noticed. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna cut this. <laughs> Having long hair. I haven't gotten a haircut in over two years. Oh, okay. And um, it's partially laziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also partially like I kind of like having long hair. Yeah. Because um, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. The, this is not my natural hair yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. And I like dying hair and dying hair is so much work. It's so much fun. It costs a lot of money. But it's so much so much fun. Yeah. I had a I once I kind of um kind of following along with my like I like to go like the more expensive 
route mm-hmm. of things so it'll like last longer or yes. like I'll get the most out of it or what I want. And I spent like $500 getting my hair. The first time I ever dyed my hair, getting it like a, a lavender color. Oh my gosh. Two weeks and then it turned gray no. and then it turned green. No. And then I had green year for like a year. Oh, and that's, half. oh that's painful. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. And, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, yeah, I got it dyed again. Yeah. Um, and that was like 200 bucks cheaper. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, and it was, uh, I got it dyed pink mm. and then that lasted like not a long time. So now I have this long hair and I love having dyed hair, but now I'm very discouraged mm. with spending all that money, but yeah. whatever. No. It's fine. It's worth we need it. To find you. I used to love showers. Mm. I used to love showers. Mm. I hate showering. Now. Really? Cause like, having to oh, deal. With with like oh, yeah. all this hair oh, yeah. and like all this stuff I have to put That's in it. That's true. And just honestly. And then like the then there's like the um like the like they say the hot water like isn't good mm-hmm. like for your hair. Mm. You need to do cold water. And I did that for a while. Then I wanted to shoot myself. Yeah, no. Oh, okay, that's a that's a bit much to say. But <laughs> it's it's a, it's a metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wait, no, that's um, not the right English metaphor. term, is it? Anyways, it's an exaggeration. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yes, it is. Uh, very embellished. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's commitment. I, you know, it's weird. I used to like when I was a kid. I used to do cold. Like I would finish the shower with cold water. I don't know if it was like a little masochistic thing. <laughs> what is I do That's kind of like cold yeah, plunges yeah, yeah. Like, are supposed to be good but for now, you. I know, like the Wim Hof style. Like I just I can't anymore. I don't know. I just I like my cozy warm hot showers but it's funny because i do still like after you know having been in chicago for like like during the pandemic and everything like i kind of readjusted to the the cold weather out there and now back in la it's like i kind of i can't stand the heat like i actually like like in the summer in the valley i'm like uh i hate it like i really i really don't like the heat but like my roommate you know i mean she's also mexican so like she's like now that it's you know winter I'm like oh this is beautiful this is perfect and she's just like you know she's got like the heat on and I'm just like oh this is hot can you turn the heat off (laughs) so yeah I don't know I like the cold air but cold water I don't I don't like the cold water so much um, what was I gonna say? So you 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 were born and raised in Chicago. Yeah, so yeah. northwest suburbs of Chicago, about an hour and a half northwest. Actually, it's pretty far. I always say Chicago because nobody knows the little town that I'm from, and I usually don't like to publicly say, "Oh yeah, this is the town," because it's it's so small that yeah. Quick interruption. I met someone. He was uh, he was like, "Where are you from?" Like the first year of college. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? He's like, oh, "I'm from Chicago." It's like, uh, and my roommate was was literally from Chicago. Yeah. It's like, oh, what part? And then he like quieted down for a second. And then he was like, I'm from Indiana. Oh my God. I live in the middle of nowhere. I just say Chicago. Wow. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't stretch it that far. <laughs> I mean, I am. So it's like 20 minutes on the border of like from Wisconsin, but still Illinois and still, you know, still a, still a Chicago suburb. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I grew up there. Um, I think the town that I'm from has like, maybe it's more now. But at the time that I lived there and you went to high school and everything was like 6,000 people in that little town. 
In, in your high school? Oh, no, no, no. You said, wait, 6,000? In, uh, in, in the town, 6,000. Oh, in the town, six, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. I think graduating class, was it 100, 150? I don't know. Some, a, yeah. Something like that. I think mine was like 250. Oh, okay, okay. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Small. Yeah. Wait, where are you from? I am I'm from New York. Oh. oh I should have. Uh, that's what I was going to read. That's what I meant. Uh, uh, cause that's why I was bringing up Chicago. Uh, I miss the fall. Oh. I miss the fall so much. October was my favorite month. You know. And now here, like in October and November, it's like I have to have three outfits throughout the day because <laughs> it's super yeah. hot and it's super yeah. cold. And then it's like, what yes. month is it? It's, it's December. <laughs> it's December right now. And it's hot outside. <laughs> A bit. The one thing I was going to ask: Do you find sixty-five degrees to be freezing cold? No. Oh, I do. It's a problem. <laughs> See, this is why I'm still I'm still acclimated to Chicago. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might depend on like how long I'm staying in sixty-five, and like maybe I will wear a jacket, but yeah, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. find it to be cold. <laughs> yeah. So you did a trip. I I did. Yeah. So. So kind of going back towards like, you know, the whole the whole journey of going through domestic violence and everything. So so my so Mike did get physically violent with me, which was the point at which I said, OK, I have to I have to leave. Like, this is not tolerable anymore. Like, doesn't like we were going to therapy and yeah, I'm glad you're able to do that. Some people get stuck in that for oh, years. Yeah. No, I'm so grateful that, you know, yeah, I had all the the resources that I needed to to leave because that's, you know, something that people don't always understand is that when you're in an abusive relationship, it's not just about, well, first of all, there's something called trauma bonding, which is where you kind of get addicted to the person that you're with and like the hope that they will become what you thought they were, because it is really confusing to experience one version of a person and then all of a sudden you're like wait this isn't who I thought it was dating and some part of your brain can go oh my god like I want that back and it can you know it, it also it's like you it's like you can be in denial about who they really are because it's just a lot to process about that person so um so you know I'm just I'm grateful that I had the resources both on like you know therapy side like it you know I do think some of the internal family systems like work that I did was helpful for me to move out to to build enough like self-confidence to say okay like you know um I can have more compassion towards myself because you know when you're in abuse you might not even realize like you're not really getting a lot of compassion and love from the other person um because sometimes it's like you just it's like it's like that analogy about a frog in boiling water it's like okay well if you take a frog and you have boiling water and you try to throw the frog in the pot, it's going to jump out. But like if you throw a, a frog in just, you know, lukewarm regular water and then slowly turn up the boil, like it may not jump out because it's not even noticing what's going on. And that's like what it's like to be in an abusive relationship. And so there were a lot of things like, you know, after the fact that was just almost like, it's like shocking. Once you leave is actually like, that's when your journey actually really kind of starts in terms of healing. Cause then you start going, Oh my God, like what, what did I actually go through exactly? Like it's a shock to your system. So, um, so anyway, I, um, you know, I actually escaped that right before the pandemic started and I ended up going back to live with my family, which was interesting because I was kind of living a double life 
for a really long time like they didn't know I was like him and like there was a whole bunch of stuff like that they just I was limiting so much information that I was sharing with them basically and and I just I really was it was like me and this guy like that was like like the focal point of my life which you know I mean anytime you have a spouse or significant other like that person should be a really like really the most important person pretty much in your life but I kind of was isolated a little bit from you know friends and you know I I kind of isolated myself in some ways um but I slowly, you know, as I started to, you know, I did see a therapist and she brought up like, you should have a safe plan. Like you should have like a plan to escape in case this doesn't get better because there were things that were like, you know, okay, those are major red flags. And so I started to slowly kind of reconnect with friends that, you know, it's like where maybe I felt hurt about something that they said and they didn't even know it. I just kind of like, you know, disappeared or you know stopped talking to them you know I kind of went into this little like tortoise shell thing where it's like I don't want to get hurt by anybody but I was getting majorly hurt by this guy um so you know I I opened up to friends again and, and this is you know kind of tying back into that whole perfectionism thing where it's like okay if someone did like what do you mean by that exactly with the like obsessive compulsive tendencies with things or no. perfectionism and how you feel like or... like just maybe the meaning that like the meaning that maybe I would put behind certain things like if someone said something or, or said something that maybe hurt me like it was like instead of I don't know if you call it perfectionism but it's like my my response was to kind of like shut down maybe where I wouldn't where I would feel like oh maybe I can't trust them or maybe you know instead of like you know kind of mm, like thinking about what their intention, like maybe their intention wasn't to hurt me, you know, um, but like in my head, it's like, okay, like I, like it's, it's like I went into flight mode, I guess, where it's like, okay, this person, maybe they're not safe. Like, you know, now I'm in flight mode and I need to, or maybe there's something wrong with me, you know, and like, I need to keep myself away. Like there was just, yeah, I just kind of had this, um, like, like there wasn't really a lot of room for error in a sense like within friendships even you know where it's like okay if some if, if someone said something like I would get really triggered by it maybe and I would just I don't know shut down so I just yeah 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 and you know sometimes it's it's really understandable you know I mean um but also like yeah yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think like the meaning that maybe would be taken away from some of those things, like, okay, like if someone says or does this, like, what does that mean about them? Like, like, and I think for me, it's also like, am I safe being friends with them? Like, is it safe to be, you know, I don't know. So it's it always like, kind of looking for safety. And I think, you know, given what I had also experienced, like in Hollywood with the, the shootings and all that stuff, it all, it kind of makes sense. I was a little hyper vigilant. Um, and there's, there's other things that I, you know, went through that, you know, we have talked about. I mean, then, then it really might be like a therapy session, but <laughs> it's, you know, so there's just, there was a lot of that kind of just, just like hypervigilance, you know, but yeah, wait, what were we, what were we, what were we talking about before? Yeah. So I guess, I guess, I guess it was a lot of, are you talking about your support system? Yeah. It's like, it's like, I didn't have, it's like, I was trying to, you know what it was a little bit too, like an over-independence in a way. Okay, so you're describing me, me <laughs> right right now. I was I uh, I lived in New York City from ages um, ages four to eleven, mm -hmm. 
And those are like kind of formative type years and to how like you view the world around you and view the people around you. And then fifth grade, I was like scootering blocks and blocks and blocks away to go to my yoga class. Mm. And I'm in fucking fourth grade. And, um, and, uh, that, and like, um, like, oh my, like every single person around me is going to try to mug me Mm. or going to try to steal things like from me. So I have now, like, it takes me like three months to trust, to actually like trust someone or trust someone in like a, Um, friendship and my hyper independence is like absolutely off mm. the off the charts i mm. hate i don't even like receiving presents i know I, like can't even i don't know how how you experience it but like sometimes for me i'll be like what do you want from me <laughs> like if you're giving me something like okay like is this a manipulative gift or no, yeah. is this an actual yeah. gift <laughs> yeah yep. yeah totally totally i totally get that you know it's interesting because of the the relationship that I had with Mike and, you know, like three, you know, three years after the relationship is when, or into it, I guess you could say, that's when he got physical. Like, it took that long. <laughs> so now, it's like, I mean, on the one hand, you could go like, oh, shoot, like I can't trust anyone at all. But it also kind of made me realize like, okay, well, every relationship is a risk. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe I won't know who this person is until like far into it. But, but I also don't want to never have, you know, relationships or, you know, any kind of intimacy or, you know, so I guess like, in a way, like in a way, it's kind of like, all right, well, if it took three years, like maybe, maybe there's no number as to like, okay, how long do I give a person? Um, But at the same time, you know, it's, it's also like when I look back on the situation, it's like, well, yeah, I probably maybe three months moving in with the person wasn't the right decision. But there are some people that do stuff like that and it's fine. But I think the majority of the time it's probably better to take it slow. So, yeah, I think taking things slower isn't a bad thing, you know, as like trusting people. And yeah, <laughs> but I think I also seeing into their world. And to how they... Yeah, seeing into their world, how they respond to things. But it's like sometimes you just don't know. Like, you know, you, you know people on a surface level. But then, like, you may not know certain things about them till you get close to them. Close enough to see certain things that you, you wouldn't know otherwise. So, I guess I've just learned, you know, to have less expectation. I mean, I still have my standards of how I know I deserve to be treated and, you know, what what I do um, need in a friendship or intimate relationship or, you know, family relationships. Like, I know I'm in touch with those things, but my expectation is not, like, I, I don't, I try not to say, like, like, pretend like I have in my head, like, I as if I know I guess I try to project less about, you know, who this person might be, who I think they are and not get so, because I guess, you know, when I, when I look at like the relationship with, with him, with Mike, it's like, okay, I, in some ways I, it's like I elevated him on this pedestal and, you know, and in Christianity is like, we call that like idolatry, basically. It's like we're putting someone what was that? What Idolatry. It's like where you put someone before God or you put, you kind of make them almost like they're a God or something like and that is just so not <laughs> helpful at all. It's like that can also 
set us up for so much disappointment and I still have my standards, but like, okay, if I know what my expect, like, if I am open to learning who this person actually is, because I'm not projecting onto it so much. I mean, we all, we all project a little bit, but it's, that's a a masterclass, but but basically, um, I just, I know what my standards are now and, you know, I, I just kind of go, okay, well, instead of, I guess, trying to force a relationship back to, you know, what I hoped it was or hope it could be or maybe projected that it was, I just face the reality. And as hard as sometimes it's hard, you know, to be like, okay, like this just isn't what I thought it was. And there's, and then there's grieving with that too. Like that's, that's the thing about abusive relationships too, is that like, it's, even though when we escape them, and I know we're on a tangent here because I think I was going to talk about my move back to Chicago and all that, but, but basically, um, you know, (laughs) when we go through abuse, it's, and we get free from it, it's great to be free. Like, but also you have to now grieve who you thought this person was, the future that you thought you were going to build with this person. And then also it's complex grief basically and you have to then process like okay like all these things that I thought were this oh well actually maybe he was actually manipulating me in that moment and like you it's like you go back into like wait what I thought was actually happening totally what wasn't happening like that wasn't like it's like I had you know these like the blindfolds on and I wasn't seeing anything clearly and now I'm out of this situation also no longer in this like fight or flight where I had this adrenaline going all the time now it's like then it hits you and you're like oh dang like so it's oh man I just my heart goes out to anyone who's been through that or you know is currently going through that or is about to go through that because it's it's a process to to go through um but but healing is definitely possible and that journey looks different for everybody but um and the journey to accept that healing is possible yeah yeah and and there's layers and like there's some things that might like always kind of be like little you know triggers or um but you can live a happy life you know you can still like reclaim your life and like you know there's things that sometimes I'm like whoa I didn't I didn't know that that still affected me like certain things that someone would say or um where it's like oh wow I just I didn't realize that maybe that is an area that I need to heal but then there's things where you go you know what yeah that's an area that needs healing but that I'm gonna like I'm gonna set that as because like I have a lot of other stuff going on in my life I have really good things going on in my life and I don't really want to unpack that Pandora's box today like you know so it's 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 a journey it's a journey (laughs) you can part compartmentalize a little bit yeah or just kind of lock it up yeah you could say compartmentalize or just like shifting shifting focus a little bit you know at times like sometimes it took me from from my thing it took me six months Mm, mm, yeah yeah and then and then another year to file a police report Mm. long time there are things that i've never filed a police report for but it's like (laughs) i actually like like when I left or when I escaped um, Mike in that situation, like pretty much just like I, like I wasn't Christian yet, but I kind of just felt like 
I'm just going to give this to God. <laughs> like, I don't know what his, what's going to happen. Like, I'm just going to give it to God. And, you know, there are things that I've done that with and I've seen, I mean, there's somebody who assaulted me who is now in jail and that I had no part in it. I had no part in the, any of the trial or none of that kind of stuff, but you know what? Like, <laughs> God took care of it. I didn't have I didn't have to do anything in that situation. There were other people that, you know, were able to come forward and and, you know, convict this guy, but uh but yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes self-care, you know, that was a really big thing that, you know, I learned from all of this is how important self-care is and something I actually kind of like explored, you know, doing coaching, you know, helping other people with that. And uh but basically like sometimes self-care looks like not always doing the, not always doing the justice, you know, or, or, you know, um, not always processing, processing everything all at once. Like sometimes self-care looks like, you know what, I'm just going to watch a movie and like, yes, there are go things to walk. process, but sorry, what was that? So, <laughs> I said, go, go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, cause it, it's important to have that balance that, you know, on the one hand, it's good to process stuff, but on the other hand, it's also it can feel sometimes if you over process things it can feel like that's the only thing that exists and it's like but I'm also in the present and I also have this future ahead of me and it yeah it's 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 important to also recognize we go in seasons and maybe there are seasons where we process stuff a little bit more and maybe there are seasons where we don't and like we feel like we're floating and everything feels great so that's just like the imperfections of life (laughs) Sorry. Hello. <laughs> she okay. She's the cat that doesn't understand that she can't walk on the keyboard. <laughs> she knows. Ah. She does not. Okay. So basically, this cat could delete our whole podcast. Sorry. Say that again. Sorry. What? No, I thought that's what just happened. She turned cat's lock on. Oh and my off. god. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Penny. Now, what? Teeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna ask. Do you read? Wait. Do I read? Do you read at all? I've started getting into that. Yeah, been... you know, um, for a long time I was doing. I actually tend to prefer, um, like audiobooks, because I I, oh, I like okay. to I like to multitask, and I think I also no, that's a huge that's a huge thing. Audiobooks, yeah. I just can't, because I when I'm reading, I'll read a paragraph, and then I'll be like, oh shit, and then I have to read the paragraph yeah, again, yeah, and then I get lost a little bit. Podcast though, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I kind of um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I sometimes can be that. Am I really that way with reading? I think I just enjoy. I think I just enjoy like like audio more. I mean, I'm I'm a musician. I'm an audio engineer, so like it kind of makes sense that I would prefer audio. Um, but yeah, I just I like to be able to you know go for a walk and listen to something. Um, I haven't really read much in a while, but you know, while I was in Chicago, I did a lot of like, you know, definitely there was some self help type you know books and things that I would listen to and. I mean, now, now I actually, well, now I'm reading the Bible. So I guess that's, that's like one of the forms of reading that I do. Um, so, but, but even that I'll do like the audio on, like a lot of times I like to, um, listen to the narrator instead of me reading it. So yeah, I guess it's, you know, everyone has a way of method of learning and listening to things, but, uh, everyone is so different. Yeah. In this world yeah. today, where there's so much, is it homogeneity? Mm-hmm. Is that the I, word? You know what? We're going to go with that. Anyway, 
anyway. homogeneity and they get trapped they get trapped in this pattern of trying to do everything that everyone else is mm. doing and then it's not working for yeah. them and then they're like yeah ah yeah it doesn't work for me and then they you know that and they fall into a bit of self-hatred or self not self-hatred hatred self-deprecation mm. yeah um, yeah i think it's important to like my generation, everyone is striving to be like, because like we had phones and I had like I had a phone in middle mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my mm-hmm. god, yeah, that ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. It did. It ruined everything. Ruined it. So, so now there's cyberbullying. Yeah, and then yeah. there's everyone, you know, like in a high school, like girls, like all wearing the exact same thing and then like posting mm-hmm. pictures mm-hmm. and then um, just yeah. I don't know. Everyone's striving to be, yeah. yeah, just you know, the internet and the internet in your pocket really screwed up a lot of things yeah that's definitely like i mean so i had i mean we had phones uh, i had a phone in like eighth grade probably you know so still pretty young like i mean had had the internet can i ask how old you are Mm -hmm. are you willing to share the information let's see how old am i uh so i'm gonna be 32 in january 32 wait hold on let me say that again because we're we're gonna release this as if it is january right (laughs) (laughs) happy january 2024 yeah so 32 as of january 9th and um which by the way january 9th i'm going to be releasing a song it's not on my my concept album it's kind of like a like the perfect song to be like the prequel to my album uh and it's it's called unstoppable and it was a collaboration which is interesting because um you know I still sometimes struggle with like, do I collaborate or do I not? Because I, I kind of I think that over independence thing kind of translated also to music for me. And so I would like, you know, I went to school for audio engineering so I could learn how to produce and do everything myself. And everything was like, how do I do everything myself so I can keep myself in this little bubble, basically, which, oh, my goodness. Like, thank, thank God that, you know, <laughs> I feel like I've, I've healed from a lot of that. But um but there's still things that I you know tend to do that with anyway so this was a collaboration um kind of like breaking out of my typical shell of doing everything myself and um basically I was so I I met a lot of people online during the pandemic as I mentioned before and somebody that I had met kind of like through um well it's an organization called Musicians Peer Support and um, basically they help artists develop themselves and, you know, provide support and tools to better their artistry and better their knowledge and, um, execution of business. So, um, so I was part of this group and this, this woman was, um, she reached out to me and she was like, Hey, um, you know, do you, you know, would you want to join this? Well, first of all, it was actually, she said, I have an extra ticket to go to this event called What Up Pitches. Peas and pear, uh, what up pitches? And uh, it was this event with um, music supervisors. And music supervisors they help to place um, music with film and TV and ads. And it is a chance to meet these um, people and to also like pitch your music to them and to get feedback on like what you know if this is placeable, etc. And so um, she this this friend she was like volunteering at this event and she was like I actually have a free ticket that I can I can bring somebody like would you want to go and like she knew that I was in the Chicago area so I was like yeah of course so I went there and then as part of that event uh they actually had this um 
a collaborative thing where they they put you in groups and basically give you what's called a brief, which is like, okay, we need a song that sounds like, um, you know, like a, a pop punk song or something or whatever, like for that has this kind of uh, whatever um, emotion or something. So like they had a bunch of different ones like that. And so for ours, it was like, like a, like rock pop, but like, you know, because I'm actually going more into the EDM space now, I kind of, I put some, I put some EDM in there, but it's like, a it's, 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 a, it's an interesting, yeah, it almost has, it actually almost has a little bit of like country twang to it, but it's like EDM and like pop and rock in this song. Uh, that's how the song like turned out. But, um, going back to this event. So, um, they had us in groups writing together, but I actually, so it was a two-day event. I missed the second day because my alarm, actually, I slept through my alarm. I think that's what happened. I slept through my alarm. I slept till like noon. I slept through eight alarms today. You did? And I woke up at 11.45. Oh my goodness. Well, hey, you obviously- And I was like, oh shit, Alana's, Alana's coming. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I have intense motivation to clean <laughs> up as much as I possibly can. Yeah. You know, sometimes but it's yeah. what it takes. So like, you have a guest, like, oh shoot, oh, I great. need to clean. Yeah, for me anyway. Okay, anyway. But, um- Anyway, so uh, I missed out on that that like collaborative thing. So, um, so it was like a week after they had already kind of they were starting to work on something, and there was a deadline, and they were like, you know, we actually could use somebody. It was it was um, like three other people that were already working together, and they were like, yeah, we really need somebody, um, you know, to like with the production. We need we we don't have a top line, which is like the melody. Like there was a lot of stuff they didn't have, and I was like okay, like, I was kind of hesitant, because again, I was like, Miss Independent, like, I don't know if I want to collaborate, and I've never worked with these people before, and um, haven't even really heard their music or anything, uh, the one, the one person was my friend, but like, I still hadn't really heard her stuff, so anyway, my, one of my friends, like, she started sending me, like, oh, like, these were the lyrics they had already, and I was like, oh, okay, like, like, yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of cool, and then eventually, I just decided to just do it, and, um, helped them like cut down like because there was the lyrics were like there was a lot there and so I kind of helped like cut and refine what was there created a melody and then I was like I guess I'll I'll be the artist on the song <laughs> so I said you know I sang I did that um they they did some background vocals so I got that in there um Lewis is one of their collaborators and he worked on um he did a lot of the, the guitar parts and um some production and he helped with like the structure and like the chord changes and um but then, like, you know, I had, you know, I was adding my own production and I was doing, like, the the, the drums and the synths and, like, a lot of other stuff, too. So we, we, you know, we collaborated on the production. I ended up doing mixing um, and mastering on this song. So those are separate parts of the recording process because mixing is, like, when you, you get everything all balanced together and, you know, you get... Like the, the, the vocals aren't sounding, they're not competing with a guitar and, you know, that the drums aren't too loud. And, you know, basically that's what mixing is in a nutshell. And then mastering is like the final, final touches on that. So, um, so I did all of that and, uh, did all of that in 10 days. Um, I had like a hundred and 174 tracks on that song. Did I combine any tracks? No, actually, no, it was 174, but anyway, it was a lot of tracks. And like, oh man, I was having such a little sleep too. Like, I was like, okay, it was like, because you know, when you when you get to the final point of a song, when you're supposed to do mastering, it's like you gotta, you're supposed to be listening for like fine tuned details. But like, I had like 
zero sleep and I was like oh my god am I even hearing this right anymore I don't even know so I sent it out to like a friend or two and I was like does this sound like absolute crap or is this actually okay and they were like yeah it sounds great so so yeah I, I got it all all finished up and had this song unstoppable which was you know basically kind of like this underdog you know overcoming which is so fitting to everything that I experienced as well in my personal life with and overcoming domestic violence and overcoming lupus symptoms and all that and then um you know as I was like mixing and mastering the song I was noticing I was like oh shoot like one of my speakers doesn't sound right like I, I was noticing the so why does the vocal sound like it's coming more out of the left speaker than the right speaker and so I soloed up um, the vocals and I panned it all the way to the left, panned it all the way to the right. And I noticed like when I would pan it all the way to the right, I was like, it sounds a lot duller over here. Like what's going on? So, and I have a pair of Adam S1X speakers that like really nice studio monitors, um, for audio engineers. And, um, I bought them like seven I actually I bought them around the time that I met Mike, interestingly. So, um, so I I was like I think I need to get these repaired. I don't know what's wrong. So I <laughs> I called um you know the place that I purchased them from uh from Adam and um turns out the so actually they tried to help me troubleshoot over the phone and basically it made things worse because they were like, "Oh, you need to switch out the tweeters." And you know, which I did and test okay well is it the tweeter or is it something else like let's let's narrow down like what's going on because they were trying to help me save money you know being in Chicago like if I had to ship something out because they're like well if it's just the tweeter then you can just ship us that and you know we can just ship you a new tweeter that's easy but um as I was you know putting things back in place I was using this little tool and you know speakers they they use you know magnets and magnetic fields to you know to work and so like there was a magnetic field and there's this thing called the ribbon it's like this little it was it's basically like this little piece of paper like where um you know for the higher frequencies and I was using this little tool to like put this tweeter back on and it got sucked into the magnetic field and crushed the ribbon so I was like oh there goes my tweeter that was actually the good one and I was like, I don't want to screw this up anymore. Like I already, not that's two hundred dollars right there. Like, so aye, aye, so aye. I was like, okay, I need, I, I'm just gonna have a professional who does this because it's one of the things is like about trying to do everything yourself. Like, okay, maybe I can, but there's a learning curve of things that like, even though I can learn on a manual like how to do this, I might not know all the ins and outs and the things that. Oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't use this little tool or put a piece of cardboard over the thing so it, you know, it doesn't get sucked in or whatever. Things that I just wouldn't think of, but somebody who works on speakers every day, like they're going to know like like these little ins and outs. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to you know, send it in. But then I was like, okay, well, the only place I could send it in is actually in Burbank. And I used to live on the corner of Glendale and Burbank. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird because... That's the only place I was like, is this a sign that I should like go visit LA or something? And I hadn't like during the whole pandemic, I hadn't gone on vacation anywhere or anything. I was actually like being super conservative about isolating myself because I didn't want to get sick because I had, you know, previous history, health history of, you know, having had the lupus symptoms and all this stuff. So I was like very, very careful. Um, but my soul was like, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> I was just like, it's like I was creating a prison for myself, you know, and I, um, Anyway, so so I had this this amazing song called Unstoppable and then these speakers that needed fixing. And I was like, well, you know, 
maybe I'll just go on what I'll call the unstoppable road trip. Because <laughs> basically I had, you know, with my health issues, like one of the things that um, I struggled with a lot was sensitivity to chemicals, fragrances, like things like that, like little, like things that most people don't notice, um, on, you know, air fresheners, like all that stuff, like detergent smells. So I was like, oh, well, you know, for me, like, especially if it's on my skin, like if I, if I go to sleep in a bed that has been washed in detergent that has fragrance, like my body can freak out and I won't, I won't sleep well. Or if I, if I sleep. So, um, so I was like, ah, I don't know that I can really do this like Airbnb thing. Like anybody else, you know, just go to random hotels. Like if I want to actually drive my speakers across the country to get them fixed instead of shipping them and like actually take a trip, then I, I got to figure something else out. So I was like looking up, you know, different places that are like, you know, conscientious of being fragrance free and like that sort of thing. And, uh, the places I was finding were like very expensive. And I was like, this is just, this is too much. And then one of my friends was like, you know what? Have you tried camping? Like, have you, have you thought about, about that? And I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe I could, maybe I could do that. And so she had done a bunch of solo camping. And so she was like giving me all these like different tips. And I was like asking her all these different questions and she was really, really encouraging. And, um, so I was like, okay, well maybe, maybe I'll just go camping. So I bought a six person tent. So it's like tall enough where I could actually like stand up in it. Um, you know, I bought that and then, you know, with my chemical sensitivities and stuff, I had to like, you know, gas it off and stuff before using it and everything. So I like, I set it up. Don't tell my mom and dad if they're watching. I set it up in the living room at first. I took up like the whole living room. <laughs> then I took it apart, set it up outside. Cause you know, I was just like practicing, putting it together, set it up outside um, you know, air it out and everything and got, got all this stuff to basically packed up my whole, I have a Toyota Echo. So it's like this, this little car. It's actually, it's from 2000. It's the, they call it like the forever car. Um, cause it's just, it's super reliable. It gets like. It, from two, Toyota, everything. Uh, yeah, it's seriously. like, it could just go forever. Yeah, seriously. Toyotas so are hey, awesome. Toyota, <laughs> if you're <laughs> watching or listening. We'd love some money. <laughs> yeah. So, um. So anyway, I have this little, you know, this little forever car, um, packed it all up with all of my, my camping stuff. Yeah, it gets like, it can get like 40, I've, I've, I've gotten like 41 miles per gallon on this little car. Like, it's great. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I freaking love it. <laughs> um, so I packed it all up with all my camping stuff and, um, my, and my speakers and, you know, packed it in really nicely and basically like went across the country and and I booked some there's a site called hip camp and they have like private campgrounds basically it's like Airbnb for for camping so like camp you can basically camp in someone's backyard if you want to so um I had a lot of really interesting experiences with that uh it started off really <laughs> it was kind of freaky because um so I booked a place I can't remember if it was like the the first place wherever I booked it um, there was like this weird thing that happened where I got this message on Instagram from somebody like that sells like trailers or something. And I was like, like right after I booked it and I did, I did connect my Instagram cause you can connect it to that platform. So I connected my Instagram, but I have multiple Instagram accounts, but this guy followed me on an Instagram account that I didn't list there, which was weird. And then, and then, so I like, I was like, okay, I'm going to investigate a little bit. So I like started a conversation with him 
then like immediately he's like hitting on me and I was like this is super creepy um so then like basically I didn't feel comfortable staying at that place because like I don't know how this guy got my information or what happened like because he said oh because he said he was in like the same town or something as I had booked that campsite or like a similar or like a nearby town and I was like oh no like this is just like I'm not gonna die going on this camping trip no thank you I'm just gonna I'm just gonna find another another campsite so I canceled it and then basically I was like I was running late in my mind because like I was trying to get there I was, I was just trying to get these speakers done and like I was trying to get there by a certain time so I could like I, I ended up staying with a friend who's not my roommate and like I, I just I wanted to get there by a certain time so it was like kind of running late and so I I ended up booking I was like I just need to get going like just start moving in that direction so I booked um my first place in where was it it was in I was it because it was Iowa need to look at my map. I'm like, where was that again? Um, anyway, I was on- Driving through, driving through Iowa is just- I mean- The most- dep- I, I've driven LA to Chicago nonstop. Yeah, I- And Iowa can go to hell. I don't- It was like so- I got there- I left late. I left very late. And I got there at like four in the morning. But, so I was on like a farm with- you know, roosters and stuff. And so, like, I got there. It's like four in the morning. I have a little headlamp um, to set up my six-person tent, and um, <laughs> and then like I, the sun rose, and then the roosters started crowing. <laughs> so I was like going to sleep with the roosters crowing, and then I I put like earplugs in because who can sleep with roosters crowing for forever? Um, so I slept for like a couple hours and then like woke up around, maybe it was like 10. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I only slept like three or four hours, but it was like nine, 10 or something. I woke up and then, um, yeah, the roosters were right outside my tent. So that was, that was fun. And then I had to like make my way, you know, across the country again. And then, um, I think the next stop I was going to go like some other things like didn't really pan out quite right or so I was going to go to a place in was it like Nebraska or Kansas I don't I don't even know but basically like I was going through this like again driving night and there was all this fog but it looked like wildfire smoke and like during this time this was like towards the end of July um that I was doing this trip and like there were, were a bunch of wildfires and stuff going on and like the smoke was coming through weird parts of the country and stuff. And so um, I thought maybe it was wildfire smoke, but it didn't really smell like it. But basically, like I was driving uh, for miles, for miles on these like straight roads where I was the only car on the road and there was fog where I could see maybe 10 feet in front of me. And it was like that. That was the most terrifying part of my experience was driving on these roads by myself with this fog where, like, I just could not see anything. And then it's like I get into these unpaved roads for miles and I'm going way into, like, the middle of nowhere. And it was, like, another, like, farm that I was supposed to camp on um, with, like, cows and stuff. So I get there. So I'm, I'm like, ruining my car. <laughs> my little Toyota Echo like through all this like gravel roads and uh I get to the to the site and like 
I had booked this place with a woman, like her name was Jennifer or something. And I get there and it's like this young kid. It's like, he's like, I don't know, maybe he's 12. Like he's like some kid. And he was like, I was like, okay, well, you're not Jennifer, are you? He's like, he's like, I hope not. And then um, I was like, okay, well, you know, is your mom here or something? And he was like, oh, I'm going to be taking care of the, you know, the accommodations from here. And I was like, it was like two in the morning. And I was like, the 12 year old just said accommodation. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Speaking, speaking in that language. So I was just like, uh, no, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm out of here. So I just like turned around. I didn't feel comfortable because I was like, I'm not about to be like trafficked or something tonight. Like, this is not like, I don't know what the situation is here. Like, why is there this young kid? Like, this makes no sense. So I ended up like sleeping at a a truck stop or something and said, and then I got to Colorado, which was beautiful. Like, I honestly, I love driving through Colorado. Amazing. It is yeah like seriously like if the music industry was in colorado i i would live there but um it should be seriously looking around is inspiring maybe maybe we need to start a trend like just bring some people (laughs) you should yeah yeah but basically like so i I went to a place called breckenridge which is like outside of boulder like about an hour outside of boulder um and yeah like just driving through boulder is like even without even you know, going into any of the shops or anything, it was just like, wow, like, I feel like I could live here. Like, I just really loved it. But then I, um, to my campsite, like, by sunset or something. So, like, I got there, um, went way up into the mountains. And, uh, once I, you know, got there, like, as I was going through, like, I lost service. Um, so then I, like, I get to the campsite, which is like, you know, again, basically someone's backyard, someone's backyard outside of like the forest like the like national park actually it's like right on the border of the like on the other side of the fence is a national park so it was really cool actually but um so I get there and you know the gates closed but it's, it says to call this number and I was like well I have no service like I can't call this number so I just like moved the gate open myself and just like you know basically you know pulled my car and set up the whole campsite I had it was set up for like you know this this area was like maybe you could have six different tents there but I was the only one there so it was just it was it was actually really cool it was like just me um you know so I set up my camp and and everything and never like ran into the guy or anything that hosts the place was like okay I guess I'm I guess I'm just here but I also felt bad because like my parents were I had my I was sharing my location with them like the whole time so I was like they're probably worried right now but I can't do anything. Like, I'm just here, you know? So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go to bed. It was like 10 p.m. or something like that. And I'm like, you know, getting cozy. Then all of a sudden I see this flashlight, like, walking towards me. And I was like, that's probably the guy. <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, like, he's walking towards me. Um, I was like, hello? And then he goes, uh, are you Alana? And, he, and then he's like, I have your mom on the phone because <laughs> I had sent them like, you know, my, the details for like where I was camping and everything. He's like, I have your mom on the phone. Like she, she wanted to make sure that, you know, you're okay and everything. And, um, like, you know, or she left a voicemail or something. Like, do you want to call her? And I said, like, yeah, yeah. I would love to, to call her and like, let her know 
where I am and everything. So he was super, super nice. It was a great experience. Um, I ended up staying there a couple nights and then um, made my way over to Utah. Um, Utah was oh my God, so, so freaking beautiful. But also to... People don't know. Not enough people know how beautiful Utah Honestly, is. Honestly, probably the most beautiful state in the country. Like, really. Like, so gorgeous. Um, but it was also scary to drive through there for me. Like, even during the day because, like, there were so many times where I was just, like, or I'd be, like, driving for an hour and I didn't have service. And I was like, okay, if I, if I break down right now, like, this could not be good. Because uh, it was hot, too. It was, like, the summer and everything. Um, but anyway, so got to Utah um, set up camp there. That was, oh my gosh, it's so, so beautiful. I got some video footage. I got, um, actually my album cover or not album, my single cover for Unstoppable. I shot there. So it looks really cool. Um, and then made my way. I was like, okay. I'm like on my last stretch to, to Los Angeles. And then, um, drove through Vegas and holy cow, Vegas was 114 degrees that day and <laughs> turns out the one thing so my dad you know he's very good with cars and you know he he checked a bunch of stuff before I went on my trip and um you know and I, I actually know a thing or two about cars too I went um my well Mike actually taught me a lot of stuff about you know like there's so much stuff that that's a whole other podcast with like the kinds of technology and stuff that you know he knows about that, you know, actually that now I have on my car, I have this thing called the Petro Savers where you don't have What's to, that? um, you don't have to change your oil. Like you literally like it, it just filters the oil for you. So you change the filter, but you don't have to do all these oil changes. And it's like really actually good for the engine and everything. So invented by, uh, rocket scientist, Ralph LeBlanc, like he helped get us to the moon. He helped, um, wor he worked on the Saturn V rocket. To, to get us to the moon so like this is like legit stuff so anyway what's it called again so yeah, I can get this yeah, in my yeah it's called petrosavers yeah p-e-t-r-o-s-a-v-e-r-s -E -E it's typically used more like on fleet vehicles and everything so um you know so i was actually going to get into that and like sell it and everything you know but um you know covid had different plans for me i suppose oh hi we've <laughs> got a guest over here um <laughs> we have Penny here. Um, she is licking my hand as we're talking here on this uh, <laughs> on this podcast. So anyway, like my dad knows a lot about cars. Like I know a good amount. I actually worked at Tesla for a little bit. Um, oh. So yeah, like I, you know, you would think that one of us would have like checked the coolant, but but no, no, that was the mm. one thing that didn't get checked. So I'm driving through. That is not no, good. This is not. So I'm driving through 114 degrees and like kind of like approaching Vegas. I think I was probably like 30 minutes, actually more like an hour outside of the city. And my, my, I have like a little, it's called the scan gauge that I have connected to my car so I can see, cause like my, the Toyota Echo is amazing, but it doesn't show you like a lot of details on the dashboard. Because it's from, you know, 2000 and everything. Yeah, older. And, you know, yeah. It's a very, like, basic car. Um, so it this shows you, like, how many miles per gallon you're getting. And it shows you, you know, it can show you pretty much anything that you can um, put into that, the, the OBD2 port. Like, it it gets this information from the, the computer. So, you know, it 
tells also like your engine temperature. And so I have my engine temperature is one of the things on display. And so it showed that I went to like 230 degrees or something. And that's just, that's too hot for, for an engine to be. So um, yeah, I, I pretty much almost, yeah, I mean, I did overheat my engine. Uh, but as soon as I saw that, because I, I mean, of course, I had the, the engine light, you know, whatever that came on. And uh, I was like, oh, I guess this is what the problem is. So I turned off my air conditioning, which is awful in 114 degrees, but I had to, you know, turn off my air conditioning. Um, I don't think I slowed down yet. That wasn't until I talked to my dad and he was like, well, how fast are you going? And I was like, 85. And he's like, 85. He's like, try going like 65. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but anyway, so yeah, almost overheated my engine there, but I was, I was having to like, you know, like, because every once in a while I'd have to turn on the air, air conditioning because I didn't want to, like, you know, pass out in my car. Um, but, you know, it was, it was kind of hovering between, like, mm, like like 203 to, like, you know, get to, like, 211. I, I was just really trying to keep it under, like, 212, like, 211. Like, okay, that's, like, that's too hot. So I was, like, con like constantly monitoring it. And then I got to got to Whole Foods in, in Vegas and got some, like, distilled water and... um Feel, you know, well, actually, didn't know that it was the coolant until I, I, I called my dad first. I was like, Dad, what's going on? My engine overheated. Like, can you help me? So he was like on FaceTime with me, like showing me uh, where where to, you know, pour in the, the distilled water and everything, like helping me through all of that. And then, um, you know, that that took care of it for the most part. But it was still, you know, it, it was still a it was hot out and it was still just I think it was. After the sun went down, it was still like 108 degrees or something crazy. So, so yeah, I went back to to LA and you know drive drove drove slower, and um, finally got into LA to meet my my now my roommate. But at the time, didn't know it was gonna be my roommate. Literally, she was just a friend I was gonna visit on vacation while I get my speakers done, um, and fixed up, but there were all these things that kept extending my stay. So it started with, you know, once I got there, I was like, I really, I need to take my car to the mechanic because this thing just like, like it probably needs the throttle body clean, like the, all this stuff. So, so I took it in and, um, cause I think, yeah, I think it did still, I don't know if it still had some lights on it. I don't remember, but anyway, um, it needed, it needed some love. So, and I think I, oh, I wanted to do a coolant flush tube just to like, you know, cause I had the distilled water and I wanted to get it like a good ratio and just, you know, clean everything out. So I did that. And, um, and I, I know a mechanic out here like already because I used to live here. So like, you know, I had that relationship already. He gave me a really great price. And then, um, it seemed like everything like car was running smooth. It was running better. Um, and then then like a week after that, I got COVID. So that was the first time I had COVID during the entire pandemic. So I'm on vacation, got COVID, was felt like I was dying. Didn't know for a couple of days that I had COVID. And then I took the test. Did you lose senses? No, actually, this variant um, didn't affect me that way. This one was more like really strong headaches. I actually, I was in so much pain, like in my whole body, like to the point where I didn't even want to get up to go to the bathroom. Like, I was just in so much pain. Like, like forget showering, let alone, you know, like, going to the bathroom. Like, it was just, it was horrible. Um, but... I still can't smell. 
any as well as I could have. I can't, still you can't still smell. Can. Wow. So well. it had those like. And I can eat really spicy food now. Well, now now you can join. You can join me, and apparently my roommate uh, thinks I'm secretly Mexican somehow because she's like, you can really handle some spices. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I love spicy stuff. But yeah, I guess now you can just clean up your sinuses without you know any kind of pain. I guess. <laughs> but uh, so terrible headaches. Yes, I had major major headaches. Um, and uh, yeah, just just had like zero energy it was sleeping like 24 hours at a time like it was just crazy um so i you know i was you know going vegan was a big thing that helped me heal right but what i didn't really talk about so much was when i was dealing with the lupus symptoms i went on a raw vegan diet and i actually lived on 100 percent fruit for nine months and like 95 percent fruit for a year and that cleared up so much for me like I had issues where, you know, my hands were stuck in fists in the morning and it would take me several hours to open them. Um, I would crack open the door to go outside. I'd be like just wiped out in bed um, for a week in pain when I was dealing with lupus symptoms and like two weeks on 100% fruit and my hands were functioning again like normal and it was like amazing um but then I was like okay well I guess I gotta keep like cleansing stuff out because like I would eat vegetables and like my hands would kind of twitch and do all this kind of weird stuff so like you know took a good year to really feel like solid after that but you know now now I eat a variety of things and I you know I enjoy some cooked foods and stuff but basically like you know when I got COVID I also I did at first I thought I was like oh shoot did I eat something that I shouldn't have because like I started feeling like these kind of lupus like symptoms again for the first time in years. And I was like, this, it was freaking me out. I was like, what is going on? Like my hands were in just like so much pain. And, um, so I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, took the COVID test and figured out that's what it was. But, but basically COVID just inflames stuff that's in your body already. So like, that's, you know, I think it was just old, you know, old damage and stuff that got inflamed. But, um, immediately I went back to 100% fruit when I got COVID. I was like, I'm like, I'm not messing around with this. Like getting that, I actually didn't even have energy to like cook anything or anyway. So it's like, I would have, you know, cut half a watermelon open and just like leave it by my bedside or, you know, just juice and stuff, just like leave it by my bedside. Like, you know, probably leaving it out longer than it should have been, (laughs) you know, just like when I would have energy to eat, I would eat, um, What's your favorite fruit? Favorite fruit? Oh, that's so hard. That's such a hard question because I love so many Two, fruits. Three. Um, I love watermelon. Um, I love mangoes. I love pineapple. I mean, yeah, those are those are some favorites. That's vegetables. Vegetables. Um, I'm an asparagus. I love. actually do like asparagus. And Brussels. I sprout. go in phases with like. Well, this is also true about fruits too. I go in phases with like what I like. Um, and, and this is also part of like how I listen to my body. Like sometimes my body will just be like, I really want the specific thing. Um, like cherries, like, hello, like, wow, for some reason my body wants is like, you know, red colored fruits and vegetables and like beets and things like that. But yeah, I love broccoli. I love cauliflower. Um, those are actually some of my favorite veggies, believe it or not. Um, Asparagus, yeah, I guess like some. I actually do really like the cruciferous vegetables, like the asparagus and stuff. Love cauliflower. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and then I do love like the buffalo cauliflower that they make at Erwan. <laughs> I'm a sucker for that store, and <laughs> like throwing out so many. Would you do say Erwan? Yeah, 
I tried these these mango slices. Oh, like like dehydrated were, ones. Like, like, yeah. yeah, from yeah. there, like one, that's the only thing I've ever gotten from there, and it was ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah, it was like so good. everything there is good. Like when I go there, I'm like a kid in a candy store. It's, yeah, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> but um, yeah, those yeah, I know I I've had some of those mango slices too. Like those, they're really sweet when they're dehydrated like that because it's all concentrated. So they that's like yeah, amazing. But um, yeah. Anyway, so I went I went back on a hundred percent fruit when I had COVID, and I think that really helped because like every day, every single day, even like the first three days were the worst, but every day I did notice improvement. Yeah, I think I think like being being on a hundred hundred percent fruit was really helpful again to like kind of go back like anytime something goes wrong for me it's like that's my default you know my like if i need like i need a clean canvas i go back to like the fruit lifestyle what are you doing what are you doing now so now i actually do i'll do usually fruits i'm actually kind of doing a lot of intermittent fasting but not like not like religiously you know it's it's just kind of it just kind of happens um because now i work at apogee electronics um, so it's a good hour from where I live, um, in traffic. It's like 20 minutes when there's no traffic, but, um, that's LA for you. So thank you. Los yeah, Angeles. Thank you. And thank you, LA traffic. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't usually, I mean, when I get up in general, I don't really feel that hungry anyway. Um, and I've done a lot of fasting on my healing journey. So I'm very, my body's very acclimated to fasting in general. So usually like for my lunch, is kind of my first meal and I'll have like, you know, bananas or smoothie or something. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not just talking a couple of bananas, like maybe like six or eight bananas. I think that's like my lunch. Actually, interestingly, bananas are not my, they're not my favorite fruit, but, uh, but I do enjoy the, they're very satiating. Pomegranate is my favorite. What's your favorite? Pomegranate. Oh, oh yeah. You know, I haven't had pomegranate yeah. in a long time. I have to have some. You can buy like the, the containers where it's just like the, the actual fruit yeah. of yeah. it. But it's so much money, and it takes away from, like, I like the feeling of, like, cutting yeah. open, like, a pomegranate and, like, digging through all of, like, the nonsense. An experience. The, the beads, and we're just like, oh, my Yes. God. I earned it. It's so I good. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pomegranate's good. Um, interestingly, though, I couldn't, like, I tried pomegranate, at, like, when I was doing 100% fruit, and my body was very particular about what I could and couldn't have, like, I think, like, I tried pomegranate, and, like, my body kind of freaked out a little bit, so I was like, oh, I guess I need a hold off so i haven't actually had it in a long time so after i'm sure my body can handle it now but um what was i saying so oh like my like the way that i eat now so basically yeah I'll, uh, and then when i get home or or before i go home <laughs> i'll go pick something up from you know a vegan restaurant or something and i'll have uh you know so, like something cooked usually or sometimes like a raw vegan like a kelp noodle um pasta or something like that that can also be like you know, I, I like that, but I'll have like, um, gosh, I just, I usually will do, I mean, I, I like so many different things now now I can have so many things, so many different things. Cause for a while, like my body was not tolerating anything. So that's also why I think it feels like going into a candy store when I go into, you know, some of these places like Erewhon and stuff. But, um, uh, I, I, I like, you know, having soups with, you know, my veggies, you know, I usually like to have some kind of like cruciferous, like a, like a cauliflower, broccoli, you know, like a, something with that grains, I kind of go in and out with, like, sometimes I'll stick to just, you know, um, like veggies and then maybe I'll have some kind of, um, like fat, like avocado or like nuts and seeds or things like that. But, um, you know, grains, I, I do, 
at times I'll incorporate it at times I won't um beans I'm pretty limited with actually I, d- I don't I don't really overdo the beans and I know a lot of people think oh well if you're vegan you gotta make sure you have enough protein but it's kind of like the biggest okay, myth so ever. here's the deal where do you think cows get protein exactly from? the grass exactly. or whatever they're yes, eating yes vegetable I hate this all these people yeah. you're not getting enough protein yeah, yeah. I noticed that if I so if I'm more stressed I tend to want denser foods like so like the it's e- like I understand you know why people think oh you need like you know if, if you're under a lot of stress and you feel like oh yeah you need all this food for energy or something like I get it but um yeah when I'm kind of more like just relaxed it's like yeah it's it's very easy to make the choices of like having you know a smoothie or a salad bowl or something you know something like a little bit on the lighter side it doesn't feel like I'm trying to kind of like overstimulate myself to distract myself from stress or you know something like that so but but at the same time even when I'm not stressed I do enjoy you know um you know some cooked things or you know um I, I do sometimes I'll have like you know the tofu or the beans or whatever but I do keep it pretty I keep it pretty minimal I don't I don't overdo that kind of stuff do you take any supplements? Um, I definitely do vitamin D and vitamin B12. Like those are kind of like non-negotiable as a vegan. Because um, we just, you know, it's really supposed to be the vitamin B12 is supposed to be in our soils, but a lot of it gets depleted. And so, you know, the B12 that non-vegans are getting is generally from animals that have been given B12 shots. So like I don't look at it as like, oh, well. If you have to take supplements, then maybe it's not a human diet or whatever. Like, I don't look at it like that at all. Um, and then vitamin D, you know, of course, like the sun is beautiful, but it's also not the same sun that we had maybe, you know, 100 years ago or before the Industrial Revolution or whatever. So, you know, um, you got to make sure you have it, though. So um, so I do that. And then uh, sometimes I do other supplement, like like when I got COVID, I was really heavy on like... Um, there's a supplement called Virusure by Perium. Um, Perium is like, they have, they create supplements. They're all vegan supplements, all made from plants. Uh, and they uh, all, they create all of those supplements from um, regenerative farming. So it's all stuff that's like very high in nutrient value. I watched a 90-minute uh, documentary about regener- regenerative yeah. farming, yeah. and it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. It's really, really it's, it's cool. It's funny when, like, we really utilize nature and, like, kind of, in a way, like, you're stepping, you're getting out of the way, you know, to let nature do, do what it does best. We put ourselves above and in front yeah, of nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're really egotistical species. Totally, totally. Wow, okay, that was slick, Penny. <laughs> really just flew under. Wow, we have a guest you once again. It. Hello. As long as you don't walk on exactly. the keyboard. Well, hi. Um, so, uh... What was I saying? Uh, supplements. Um, so they they have a couple different supplements that I really like. They have one called Zinc Aid. So that's, you know, a good boost for getting additional zinc for the immune system. Uh, I get plenty of vitamin C. I don't, you know, with all the fruit that I eat, like, I'm I sure. don't supplement with vitamin C. Um, potassium as well. Yeah. Yeah. I get plenty of that, too. <laughs> like, I get, I get yeah. so much of that from, you know, just eating the fruits um, and, and in the volume that I'm eating the fruits. Um, so I don't, I don't really worry too much about that. Minerals are something that, um, 
you know, also I, I do like to supplement a little bit, like, but with the right types of supplements, because some supplements... By minerals, are you higher? No, see, I, I don't, I don't take like those kind of iso... Like, I'll take like, um, ah, well, so Perium has a product called Ionic Elements, uh, which I like to add in. There's some trace minerals in there, but it's it's not like these pills, you know, where it's just like, you don't know, you don't know a lot of times what you're taking with some of that stuff. Like some of it can be like, like ground up rocks and like, because it's not regulated, you know? So a lot of that stuff is, you, you've got to go with like a really good brand. So that's what I use. Um, but uh, I do, I do what my psychiatrist tells me. There you go. Yeah. Trace minerals. I, I try to get most of my vitamins and minerals from my diet itself because that's the most bioavailable to our bodies versus, you know, supplements are, they're basically isolated and concentrated. And sometimes the body doesn't always know what to do with that in like an optimal way. So I'm very particular about what types of supplements and what brands and like how much of that that I take because I really do like to get, you know, it's it's really from the diet. But I think, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people think, again, as a vegan, oh, that you need all this, this stuff. But, um, you know, for me, I've just found that eliminating the toxic stuff, like, you know, eliminating the things that, you know, take more time to process, like the meats and the dairies are, you know, just it takes more energy to digest those things. And to it, it actually takes more um, acid to like break down the proteins. And so, you know, a lot of these things can have acidic byproducts in our body. And so like, it's just, it, it's like less efficient, you know, in a way. Um, and, you know, I, I, um, so I, I studied a lot of this, you know, I actually got a certification um, as a detoxification specialist through Dr. Robert Morris. And like his, his philosophy is really about cleansing and clearing the lymphatic system through like a fruitarian diet and you know or high fruit diet um you know but I've, I've heard different people have different experiences with you know different types of diets so like I don't like to I don't like to get dogmatic about anything I like to stay open you know some people may find you know I, I'm open to the possibility that if in 10 years my body suddenly feels like it needs meat or something that I'm not going to ignore that you know but um but I've just seen consistently over time for myself that the more that I you know stay raw vegan or or at least not even 100% raw vegan but like vegan you know just staying in the plant-based realm I do best and um you know I also like allow myself to if I feel that for some reason I feel like I actually do want a little bit more of like the proteins like the the beans or legumes or things like that which are a little bit harder for some people to digest and um you know even for myself like they're not like optimal compared to you know fruits and the veggies but if I, if my body is asking for it and if I feel generally, you know, better, like having that, you know, in moderation or whatever amount my body seems to want it, then I, I listen to that. So I try not to stay, like I said, not, not, not be dogmatic about it and, um, to, to, to still know what my, my baseline is. Like if, if something's going wrong, coming back to the fruits, but also, you know, taking some supplements that are helpful, um, and, you know, giving myself some flexibility too, because, you know, life is short. Like, I also do want to enjoy some, you know, buffalo cauliflower and stuff once in a while, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 All right. Mm -hmm. I think it's about time to wrap stuff okay. up. Plug everything. Alana Vera. Okay. Yeah. 
Spotify? Yeah. So actually, um, because I had a previous artist name, uh, Ellery, E-L-E-R-I, you might want to look that up too. Um, it's the... So the album that is... Because there's a couple people... Since I put my album out, there were a couple other people named Ellery that then put some stuff out. So to avoid confusion, um, I'm the one with the uh, black hair <laughs> in the album cover. And it's um, it's called Love Cyanidation. I know that's like a crazy word, whole metaphor around that. But love and then it's like cyanide-ation. Um, and then my new stuff is all under... Alana Vera. So that's that's really the one that, you know, you'll hear the um the concept album and you'll hear Unstoppable, like that's all gonna be released there. But if you in the meantime want to check anything out before this comes out, you can look up Ellery. But um I, you know what, actually, uh is there gonna be a way we can put a link for like Oh yeah, I was I was about to say we're gonna throw everything in the okay, description. Great. Yeah. 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 So um newsletter sign up is in the description you can get um access to you'll you'll be the first to year when unstoppable comes out and when my concept album comes out and all of that so um yeah yeah thank you so much for having me this has been an awesome conversation Uh, this has been a great conversation have fun that time flew by quick yeah it did okay i don't have a good closing yet but if you listened thank you thank you so much (laughs) bye-bye